Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, April 20th. How many top 20 players are playing this week's four ATP and WTA Tour level events? I'm going to answer that question for all of you listeners on today's podcast as I preview the week's two 500 level events, one happening for the women in Stuttgart, the other happening for the men in Barcelona. Of course, I also want to preview the draws at our two 250 level events for the women. They are in Istanbul. For the men, they are in Belgrade. Of course, there are also three ATP challenger level events. And of course, anytime there's that degree of tennis, you know I'm going to be following that action so that you listeners feel prepared. I want to briefly mention them today, although I will tell all of you if you want to hear more about about everything that happened last week on the ATP Challenger Tour, as well as an extensive preview of this week's action. Go check out our Great Shot podcast feed as brand new Cracked Rackets contributor Damian Cuss breaks down all of the Challenger action. That's going to be a new staple of our Cracked Rackets coverage of the 2021 season. Every Monday, Damian going to be hosting an ATP Challenger-centric Great Shot podcast episode. He's also going to be joining us here on the mini break at least once a week moving forward, so be on the lookout for his first episode this week, and be on the lookout for his articles on our website, CrackedRackets.com, his first piece about the ascending men uh, in the men's game, uh, the ascending young Czech men in the game. Uh, It's certainly an interesting piece. He talks about a lot of guys we've talked about both here on the mini break and on our GSP over the past few months, so be sure to go read that at our website, CrackedRackets.com. But again, the agenda for today's podcast preview all of this week's action so you listeners feel set to go. I'm going to break down the draws, talk about the seeds, the top 50 players, the players I'll be watching most closely, all of that fun scheduled for today's podcast. Of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here at Crack Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you listeners from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, as I talked about yesterday. I'm using brand new equipment here to record today's podcast at CR Headquarters. Brand new microphone, brand new microphone stand. I'm fighting my instincts because I'm so accustomed to having to hold the mic while I podcast. I don't have to do that anymore, and that's because of the support we get from all of you listeners, our Patreon family, who again tune in day in, day out, and attract sponsors such as our friends at Midwest Sports who also are so invested in growing the love of our game of tennis and want to make sure all of you fans are well equipped to bring out the best in your game when you hit the tennis courts to update your equipment, find the best gear at the best prices with our friends at MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. You use that promo code CR15. You'll also let them know that we sent you there. So again, go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get all of the best gear at all of the best prices. With that in mind, let's talk about this week's action we have at the ATP and WTA Tour level because... Up and down the board, you, we have top 20 players galore. Let's start on the women's side in Stuttgart, where we have 11 top 20 players and 17 top 50 players slated to play this week in the Stuttgart event. You look at the top seeds, Ashley Barty played the Charleston event, but first event for her on red clay 
since she won the 2019 French Open. Of course, you've also got Simona Halep, your number two seed, Sophia Sonia Kennan, the defending French Open finalist, your number three seed, Alina Svitolina, who quietly has been stellar on clay over the past 52 weeks. She's 12-2 and two in her clay court matches. That is third on the WTA Tour in wins. She trails only Podoroska, who's got 15, a bunch of them at the ITF level, and Simona Halep, who's got 13, but then it's Svitolina with 12. She's played a lot of events, but she has been that good. You've also got Arena Sabalenka, always dangerous, always capable of winning any event when she's in the field. Carolina Pliskova, who struggled so much of late, but looking to bounce back here in Stuttgart. Petra Kvitova, your number seven seed. She's going to kick off her campaign against Jennifer Brady, and it feels very quiet, but if you recall, Petra Kvitova, French Open semifinalist last year, so let's all keep an eye on her as she kicks off her clay court campaign. And then, of course, your number eight seed, Belinda Bencic, who, you know, has not had the best clay court results thus far at the WTA level, or at least in particular at the high WTA level events, but she is a former, I believe, junior French Open champion, and certainly with her weapons, with how aggressive she is, her game style should translate well to the clay courts throughout her career, so she is someone we will certainly keep an eye on this week, but you look, I mentioned that those are, you know, eight of your top 20 players. You've also got Jennifer Brady in the draw, who, as I mentioned, going to take on Petra Kvitova round one. Brady last year lost first round of the French Open, but with retrospect, she lost that match 9-7 in the third to ascending WTA talent Clara Tawson. So, you know, considering Tawson's won a WTA title since then, entered the top 100, that loss much better in retrospect, but still a lot to learn about Jennifer Brady and how she competes on the red clay. You've also got Carolina Mukova coming off of what was it, a quarterfinal, semifinal at the 2020, I think it was semifinal, 2020 Australian Open, 2019 French Open finalist Marketa Van Drusova in the draw. You've also got Maria Sakri, finalist in Miami. Was she a finalist? No, semi finalist. She lost to Andrescu, excuse me, but will be interesting to see how she bounces back. You've got the always dangerous Annette Conteve, who has just been a staple in quarterfinal rounds of so many WTA events of like Angelique Kerber, former French Open champion, Ekaterina Alexandrova, and of course, former French Open champion, Yelena Ostapenko. Rounding out your 17 top 50 players in the draw, Now, with that in mind, let's start to look at various sections of the draw, and excuse me, as you look up and down, number one seed, Ashley Barty, who, as we can recall, lost her match in Charleston, was a quarterfinal match for her that she ended up losing, uh, I believe, to Paula Bedosa-Joubert in straight sets, but got a three-set win over Shelby Rogers. That was a very fun match. She's going to start off her campaign against either Sigamund or Bartel. She would face a potential Ostapenko or Pliskova would be the higher-ranked players in her quarterfinal match. Certainly, you know, Sigamund would be Bartel, obviously, as well. Both tough tests, and then uh, she would get a couple of hard hitters, potentially, 
in the quarterfinals. So you'd see her tested early. Of course, Svitolina first round potentially against Kerber as Kerber takes on Gorgadze in her first round match. Then you've got Sakari going to take on the winner of Brady Urkavitova. Sakari actually having won her match on Monday. Two and two victory for her. You look for Maria Sakari was two and two in the two clay court events she played last season. Of course, there only were two clay court events last season and you look uh, up in down the board for so many of these players on the WTA Stats leaderboard. Podoroska, the only player to have played 20 matches, and you look of the top 50 players, I believe only 12 of them have played 10 or more matches. So, you know, that sample size from Maria Sakari so small, as are so many of the WTA players, excuse me, but you go back to 2019 for Maria Sakari, how she competed on clay. Maria Sakari that season was 13-5, and five, a 72%, uh, 72.2% win percentage. You compare that to some of her other players uh, in the top 50. Maria Sakari was about 13th, 14th, excuse me, by win percentage on clay in 2019, and you look again for Maria Sakari, more specifically the losses she took on clay last year. In her two WTA level events, uh, she played in Roland Garros, won her first two matches uh, against Tomjanovic and young uh, Camila Rakimova before losing to Trevisan 6-3 in the third set. Her other clay court match, she played Palermo uh, before heading over to New York. She lost that match 4-4 to Kristina Pliskova, but that was her first match post-pandemic. So again, third round for her at the French Open, the three-set loss to Trevisan. You look for Maria Sakkari in her career in WT level events. She's been pretty solid thus far. She's 40 and 30, which obviously isn't as good as her 91 and 73 mark on clay, but or on hard courts, but you know, it's not that much worse. It's actually two percentage points better. And you look at her effectiveness, she wins that many more return points. Her serve relatively similar on the clay, and of course, as both I and Jeff Sackman of Tennis Abstract have illustrated, Maria Sakri's improvement on her first serve, uh, her first serve points one, her percentage has increased each of the past five seasons. She is absolutely someone to circle given her level of play to start the season. You look for Maria Sakari. She's 13th in the WTA race to Shenzhen. She's currently sitting at a new career high of number 19 in the WTA rankings. You look by Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings. She's currently number 13 overall by ELO. You look by Clay Court Elo. She's actually a little bit lower than that. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. She's 21st by Tennis Abstract's Clay Court Elo, but you look by yearly Elo, which measures just 2021 Elo rating matches. She's 10th overall in the season. So again, she's unseated here, but already won her first match 2-2. Two two. Absolutely dangerous and a contender to make a run in Stuttgart despite not being seated. But of course, you know, again, who are some of the clay court ELO players who might stand out in the competition this week? Svitolina's the four seed. She's currently number six by clay court ELO. You want to know who's number five by clay court ELO? Karolina Pliskova. And of course, a lot of that is on the back of, I believe, her 2019 result in Rome in 2020. She made the final in Rome, beat Von Drusova and Mertens before losing uh, to Simona Hall. 
Halep. She lost to Ostapenko second round last year at the French Open. But you look for her throughout her career in WTA-level matches on clay. Karolina Pliskova thus far a pretty good on the clay in her career. You look overall for her. She's 67-43 and 43 in clay court matches compared to 244 and 127 in hard court matches. But again, 61% win percentage on clay versus 66% on hard courts. Her return percentage actually drops by about 0.7%, but her serve percentages stay relatively similar in so many players you see significant drop-offs in the effectiveness of their serve on clay courts that is not the case for her you look in her career she's made a French Open semifinal she's made the Rome final she's made a Madrid semifinal she's won the title in Stuttgart back in 2018 she won Rome as I mentioned back in 2019 Uh, she's absolutely when she plays her best tennis she's a threat to win any event she plays but she's 13 and 11 in her last 52 weeks and outside of those four wins she got in Rome you take that event out of the equation she's 9 and 10 overall and you know she's only made I believe one other quarterfinal it was in Doha and she only had to win one match to make the quarterfinal uh, in Doha that's her one quarterfinal the last 52 weeks outside of Rome but slow courts if she finds her rhythm she's had plenty of time to train and she lost in the second round to Miami to Pagula but of course that was a fantastic three set match and she's lost three matches to Pagula in her last three events Pagula has been spectacular but now we're on clay courts and that's a different Carolina Pliskova if she brings her a game she is absolutely in the mix in competition here in Stuttgart and you look for Pliskova her draw here uh, this week as I mentioned earlier she's the number six seed she would have to play you know court patch then Ostapenko then Barty so she's going to get tested early as you move down the draw you kind of like Arena Sabalenka, the number five seed. Shui Zhang would be her first round match if she can get through that. Is it Shui Zhang? Yeah, Shui Zhang. Excuse me. That is who she plays. She, if she can get through that, she'd have either Ikiri or Friedsum and then potentially Kantave or a not quite in form yet Kenin. Sabalenka's power translates across surfaces. She's a comfortable mover on clay. She's had success on the surface before. Of course, her results are always so predicated on confidence, and she's played so many good matches against Muguruza and Barty, but she hasn't gotten over the finish line. And so, uh, you know, that sticks with you as a tennis player, and her being confident is absolutely a storyline to monitor heading into the French Open, so it's going to be interesting to see how she competes here this week. And then your final corner of the draw is certainly the most fascinating. You've got Benchich, the number eight seed. She's won her first round match four and two against Schunk. Uh, she's now going to play the winner of Alexandrova and Mukova. Of course, Mukova's had serious success on the clay. Alexandrova just overall has had a lot of success of late. You look in terms of total total ELO, Alexandrova right now, 28 overall. You look at Mukova. She is currently the number 12 player by ELO rating. You want to go by clay court ELO rating. Carolina Mukova, a little bit lower than her actual ELO rating. She's uh, number 12 by ELO. She's outside of the top 30 via clay court ELO rating. You look at her opponent, Alexandrova. Overall on ELO, she's 28. She's well outside of the top 50 on ELO rating. So certainly those two still things to prove on clay. And then 
you know, the potential for a Vendrusova Halep round one, uh, round two matchup, first match for Halep, that would be certainly some blockbuster tennis. But Vendrusova going to have to get through the always tough Marie Buzkova in her first match. So, again, up and down the board. Who are the players to watch? Uh, I would circle, I mean, ugh, there are so many good ones. You never bet against Simona Halep on clay, so I guess she's the favorite. 13-1 last season, her only loss coming to Sviantec. Everyone was losing to Sviantec on clay. She also won Palermo. She won Rome. She's the favorite to win this event, and it's going to be exciting to see her. Hopefully, she's healthy. I suppose she can't quite be the favorite unless we know she's 100% healthy, but... You know, Barty, Sabalenka, Svitolina's been great of late. Keep an eye on Pliskova. Keep an eye on Sakari. I'm telling you folks, always keep an eye on her, on Conteve. They just make deep runs. That's what they do. But overall, Stuttgart should be a very, very exciting tournament. And you look for Tuesday's matches in Stuttgart. Should be a really fun day of play. Alexandra and Mukova going to kick off the day. You've got Conteve versus Midendorf, Siegelman versus Bartel. Of course, Brady Kvitova should be outstanding. Sabalenka taking on Shui Zhang. And then you've got Ria Carey against Friedsam. Benchich Kennan, a doubles duo we're going to see in action in Stuttgart as well. I'll take a flyer on that one. Should be a fun week of play and very excited. I have press access, so be on the lookout for some from the pressers from that week's action as well. In terms of your other WTA event, we've got action happening in Istanbul, a 250-level event, but still only one top 20 player, but seven top 50 players in the field. They're all seeded. I don't know if the seven seed withdrew or if they were just like, whoops, we don't like the number seven here in Istanbul, but you've got Mertens, your number one seed. Martich, uh, she's your only top 20 player, by the way. You've got Martich, your two seed. She is always a dangerous player. You look for Petra Martic, she's number 21 in the WTA rankings, number 9 via the tennis abstract clay court ELO rating, so certainly uh, worthy of that number 2 seed. Veronica Kudermatova coming off of a WTA title in Charleston is your number 3 seed. Kudermatova currently number, I believe, let's see, number 20 by clay court ELO rating, 25 by overall ELO rating. You want to look at the years, uh, the yearly ELO rating. So again, 2020 specific, Veronica Kudermatova, Veronica number 13 overall. I'd say that overall ELO for her, number 25, probably most accurate. As we've talked about, she's such a litmus test. Her uh, Of her 15 or 14 losses, whatever it is, in the last 52 weeks, 12 of them have come to top 30 players or players ranked above her at the time of the match. But, you know, there's only two players ranked above her in this event. Of course, Daria Kasakina started off her year so strong. She has two WTA titles already to her name back inside the top 50. You look by yearly ELO rating. Kasakina 14-4, and four, number four overall now. That's far too high. You look at overall ELO. Daria Kasakina right now number 19. That's probably the most accurate in comparison. You look at her WTA ranking number 37. Actually... I don't know. I'd probably say she's a low uh, low 30s, high 20s sort of player right now. So probably in between that ELO rating and her actual ranking. But, you know, her breakthrough event was the quarterfinal. Well, it was her run. What was that? 2018 clay court season. It culminated in a 2018 quarterfinal at the French Open. Seeing her healthy on these clay courts is certainly something 
all of us should keep our eyes on. You look for Cassie Kina last year in her clay court events, and again, she was still sort of finding her form, but she did come through qualifying to make the round of 16 in Rome, lost as she had to withdraw against Vika. She won her first round match before bowing out 6-0 to Arena Sabalenka. So, you know, losses to Vika and Sabalenka, nothing to bat your eye at. She absolutely could have a deep run here this week in Istanbul. You look at your other seeds, Krachikova, Pavlichenkova, Chung Wang, your other seeded players in terms of your other uh, notable players, Kiki Mladenovic, uh, always keep an eye on her. Fiona Farrow, who won a title last year and by clay court elo, is the number one, two, three, four, five. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 player via clay court ELO rating. She's unseated here this week, so that's a ton of value if you're one of those people who appreciate that. Kaya Kanepi, Katarina Sinyakova, a young Potapova, Marta Kostyuk, Rakimova, all in the draws. And then Anaconya, who of course took us all by storm with her result in Miami. She is healthy, back playing a WTA level event as she should be in Istanbul. She is unseeded, but I believe if you look in the draw, Konya, a 5-2 and two win in her first round match on Monday over Sarah Arani. You actually already had a one seed knocked off as young Potapova, uh, Anastasia Potapova knocks off Anastasia Pavelchenkova, 7-6-6-7. Excuse me, not knocked off. That match suspended uh, either due to, I don't know if that's a suspension or if that's a win for Potapova. Nevertheless, uh, that match, your big one on the day, Yakova was a three-set winner. Golubic, a three-set winner. Chung Wang, your number eight seed, a three-set winner. You look at where we're at now in the draw. Elisa Mertens got the dangerous Lara Arubarena, who had a ton of success in Bogota on the clay courts. That's a tough one for a first clay court match of the season for Mertens, but bold move by her to play Istanbul over Stuttgart, get some matches under her belt, hopefully. That means clearly she's looking to get three or four matches, trying to win a few rounds. Uh, as opposed to face that high level of competition early in her event. But, you know, for her, uh, her section of the draw, Sinyakova, Haas on that top half. You've also got Kudermatova, Perez, a fun first rounder. Diaz versus Kanepi should be fun. Buyakatsai versus Krechikova should be a good one. Of course, Rakamova, Kostyuk, a battle of under 20 talents. You've also got, uh, I believe, Fiona Ferro first round match taking on Petra Martic. So that's your number nine and number 11 players via tennis abstract to ELO rating. That's a round of 32 match. So, yeah, speaks to the quality of play in Istanbul. Whoever can get through that first round Ferro Martic match, I take them to take come out of the bottom half or at least make the semifinals to face Kasatkina or Konya. Man, I'm just rooting for an Anaconia run, but give me Elisa Mertens. This is the sort of event she's cleaned up over the past few weeks. Her versus Kudermatova, the prospect of that as a semifinal would be very, very intriguing and would match up with any semifinal we might see emerge from Stuttgart. But yeah, up and down, you've got a top 20 player, seven top 50 players. Istanbul, Stuttgart should be a fantastic week of tennis on the WTA Tour. Let's switch gears now and talk about the ATP action we have on our hands this week. We'll start with the 500-level event in Barcelona. Number one seed, Rafael Nadal, coming off of a loss in Monte Carlo in the quarterfinal rounds, 
When was the last time Nadal lost at two consecutive ATP level clay court matches? You'd have to go back to the 2019 season, Barcelona Madrid. He lost semifinals Barcelona to Dominic Team, semifinals Madrid to Stefano Tsitsipas. He also lost semifinals Monte Carlo that year to Fabio Fognini. Of course, it's worth reminding everyone. He went on to win the 2019 French Open title, knocking off Federer and team in the semifinals and finals, respectfully. Now, dating back before that, when was the last time he did it before 2019? You'd have to go all the way back to the 2016 season. That year, he lost to Murray in Madrid. He lost to Djokovic in Rome, and then he ended up having to withdraw from his third round match at that year's French Open. So since 2016, he's done it twice, the 2016 season and the 2019 season. That's it. Look for him to bounce back with a vengeance this week in Barcelona. You look for his draw. He's going to face Ilya Avashka in his first round match, would face the winner of Nishikori and Christian Garin if he can get through that. Of course, you look at Tennis Abstract's clay court ELO ratings. Garin, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's the number eight player via Tennis Abstract's ELO rating on clay courts. Makes sense given all five of his eight. P Tour titles have come on clay, given the fact you look for him over these past few seasons. Uh, certainly so much success in the South American swing. You look for him last week. Played a pretty tight match. I believe his loss was to Stefano. Uh, was it either to Tsitsipas or to Rublev? But certainly, again, he is a guy who has had a ton of success of late on the clay courts. He's actually unseated here this week. You look at your top eight seeds, excuse me. Nadal, your number one seed. Tsitsipas, number two. Rublev, three. Schwartzman, four. RBA, five. PCB, six. Shapovalov, seven. And then David Goffin, eight. I thought the Stuttgart draw was impressive. You got 10 top 20 players and 21 top 50 players in the draw in Barcelona this week. You've got, in terms of your top 50 talent, Sinner. FAA Garen, Hachinov Rude, Demonauer Evans, Fonini, Nishikori Bublik, Ramos Vinoles, Davidovich Fokina, and Shardy. You've also got players like Nori, Tiafo, Alcaraz, Kopfer, Rune, Musetti, and Munar. It's a who's who in Barcelona. This draw is absolutely stacked. Every section from top to bottom. You look at that Nadal quarter, the seeds, Nadal, Goffin, Garin, and Karen Hachinov. You've also got Nishikori and Nori. Pierre Hus Herbert, who is always dangerous in that section as well. The section's absolutely stacked, and of course that section's also seen some results play out. Nishikori, three-set exciting victory over Peya. Peya made that match physical, but Nishikori so disciplined, so good in the outer thirds. Great start to his clay court campaign. Ivashka, a straight set win over Greek Spore Nori, straight sets over Salvatore Caruso. That's an impressive victory for him, and then Air Bear, straight set win over Samit Nagal. You look at the other half of the top half of the draw, Schwartzman and Karina Busta, your top eight seed. Schwartzman's going to have a tricky first-round match. He's either going to have Tiafo or Carlos Alcaraz, who made his first ATP-level semifinal in Marbella, whose forehand will be the biggest weapon on the court in both the Tiafo and the Schwartzman matches. Can he stand the test physically? That's the continued question for him. If the answer is yes, round of 16 is a legit possibility 
for the young Spaniard at the French Open. But of course, you've also got Cope for Moutet. Winner's going to play last week's semifinalist Dan Evans. Fonini going to have a tricky first round match against Zapata Morales. And then Carino Busta going to play Thompson or Gasquet again. Moving our way down the draw, Bautista Agut going to play Pablo Andahar, who was a three-set winner over Jill Simone. Igor Gerasimov just made things a little bit too physical today in his match against Yannick Sin- uh, against uh, Yo- Wilfred Songa. Excuse me, Songa was up in early break, but Gerasimov just made a ton of balls on the court, extended Songa to the outer thirds, worked in the drop shot since it felt like Songa needed to play 12 feet behind the baseline to track anything down. Gerasimov now going to face the dangerous Yannick Sinner, who, of course, brutal first-round draw for him last week against Djokovic. He is a defending French Open and quarterfinalist, so we know what he is capable of the on the clay. I am fascinated for the Ramos-Vanolas-Rune matchup. I think the winner of that could very much beat Adrian Manoreno in his first-round match. Of course, Rublev, last week's finalist, going to take on Federico Gayo. Denis Shapovalov's now got Jeremy Chardy, FAA, going to play the winner of Lopez and Lorenzo Musetti. Dimenauer, probably going to be an underdog in his first-round match, considering he's lost four in a row, as he'll face the winner of the Vidovich Fokina Bublik. And then the matchup of the second round, much like that Pharaoh uh, matchup against Petra Martic in Istanbul, Halmi Munar who doesn't lose at the challenger level on clay anymore, who was a finalist in Marbella at the ATP level. He's going to take last on last week's champion, Stefano Tsitsipas. Tough matchup for Tsitsipas, given how much tennis he played last week. But he didn't lose a set last week, and certainly if anyone's going to bounce back well physically, it's him. That was a five-set match, I believe, in last year's first round of the French Open. Expecting that one to go the distance, expecting some high-quality physical tennis. But again, just from time top to bottom. The draw in Barcelona is absolutely stacked, and you look at, again, uh, the play we have on hand for us tomorrow. Should be a fun day of action in Barcelona. You look uh, up and down the draw tomorrow. We've got kicking off their campaigns, uh, Cote for Moutet, Thompson versus Gasquet, Ramos Vanolas versus Rune, Bublik versus Davidovich Fokina, Musetti versus Lopez, Goffin going to kick off his campaign against Herbert, Shapovalov, Chardy, RBA playing Andujar, Gerasimov, Sinner, Hachinov, Nori, and then in my opinion, the match of the day, 7.50 a.m. here on the East Coast, Francis Tiafo going to take on Carlos Alcaraz. That's your action in Barcelona, in the action in Belgrade, Spain. By the way, did you see how I threw in the Barcelona? I can't help myself every so often, but in terms of the action we have in Belgrade, Spain, uh, in Belgrade, Serbia, excuse me, Novak Djokovic always going to play an event on his home soil, and you have to respect him playing the 250, trying to put on a performance for his fans. He's one of two top 10 players in the draw, Matteo Berrettini, easing his way back into a full tour schedule playing this event as well. You've also got the, in my opinion, third best player in the world here this year, but obviously rising superstar Aslan Karatsev, your number three seed as he looks to establish himself in ATP level events on clay. You've also got the Deuce, Dusan Lajevic, your four seed, Krajinovic, your five. He survived today, by the way, 6-3 in the third against Travaglia. John Millman, your seven seed, uh, knocked off Danilo Petrovic, went down an early break against the big serving tall 
Paul Petrovich, but ends up winning 7-5-6-4. You've also got Kasmenovic, your 18, Laszlo Jure, your 19. In terms of some other dangerous players in the draw, Sebastian Korda going to take on uh, I believe Elias Bedene Corda, a fourth round appearance for him at the French Open last year. Going to be fun to see him play a full level now, uh, a full schedule of ATP level matches. You've also got Francisco Serendolo taking on Alexi Popperin. Those are two, two big serving, big forehand hitting players. That should be some explosive tennis. Also excited to see how guys like Emil Rusevori, Sunu Kwan, and Arthur Rinderneck establish themselves at both the ATP level, but particularly in ATP level events on clay. You look overall, two top 20 players, eight top 50 players in Belgrade. You start to look at the draw more specifically. Uh, you know, for Novak Djokovic, he'll face the winner of Kwan Carbeas Benia. Carbeas Benia was a winner of the Challenger last week on clay, so certainly that's a dangerous first round potential opponent. Kwan's been playing so well of late as well, so that will be a fun one. You know, Rinderneck, Landero, Bagnus, Kasmenovic, that's a fascinating section. Korda, if he wins against Bedenning, would play Karatsev. Who doesn't want to see that matchup? I already talked about Serendolo, Paparin, you know, Milman, potentially going to play Cuevas or Rusevori. The Deuce has Delbonis or Barankis, Krajinovic, Miljonovic should be fun, and then Chechenato versus Berrettini. I'm noticing a lot of country-on-country crime potentially here. Cecinato versus Berrettini, that's an all-Italian match. Krajinovic versus Miljovic, that's an all-Serbian match. You've got the potential for Bagnus Landero, that would be all-Argentina. I don't know if those are good things or bad things, just the observations you notice looking up and down the draw. But again, that's your ATP action on the week. In terms of predictions for Belgrade, I guess... I could see the winner of that Serendolo Paparin match making the quarterfinal, beating a Laszlo Jura in the next round. I could see Sebastian Korda making a run to the semifinal, you know, knocking off a Karatsev, just being that good and just being ready to be a top 30 player. You look by, via ELO rating, Sebastian Korda. Overall ELO rating, he's number 15. By clay court ELO rating, he's really only got that fourth round experience for him at the French Open, so he's going to be way lower than that. But by yearly ELO rating, he's number 10. So, you know, overall ELO, he's 15. Yearly ELO rating, he's 10. The numbers say he's been a top 20 player of late. I'm not quite ready to go there, but certainly he's been a top 50 player, maybe even a top 35 sort of guy. Would it shock anyone if Korda made a deep run at this event? I don't think so, given it's an ATP 250. Now, context to beat Bedene, to beat Karatsev, to potentially have to beat, excuse me, uh, in uh, the quarterfinals, a guy like Jure or a Popperin, that's certainly a gauntlet of a draw. That's tough by 250 standards, but Cord has been that good of late, so watch for him. I really like Serendolo. I think he beats Popperin. I think he makes some sort of run in an ATP-level clay court event here. Uh, I mean, some sort of run uh, during the European stretch. Rusevori on clay is fascinating to me. As much as it pains me, Chechenato's just good on clay. Miljevic, such a rock. He's already won a challenger on the dirt this year. So just top to bottom. Again, the names may not pop out as brightly in Belgrade, but the depth of the Belgrade field uh, should be a high-quality quality week of ATP action. Who 
Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. By the way, just worth noting, and I know we took a commercial break there. Shout out to super producer Daniel Westoff. I screwed up on the edit. Um, I do want to throw this in in terms of tomorrow's matchup or today's matchup, Tuesday's matchups. Uh, in Belgrade, you've got Barankis, Delbonis, Kesmenovic kicking off his campaign against Bagnus. Feels like anytime you like Kesmenovic, he loses the match. Feels like anytime I get down on Kesmenovic, he rips off a final run. He's on his home turf, so very possible that's the case. You've got. Laszlo Jure versus Gianluca Magier. You've got Corda versus Badene, Serendolo, Paparin, Carbeas, Benia, Quan, Cuevas, Rusavori, and then Rinderneck, uh, Landero. So, do want to throw that in. Should be a fun day of action on Tuesday in Serbia. But with that in mind, let's talk about the challengers we have on our hands this week. We've got the American action in Tallahassee on the green clay. We've got hardcore events in Ecuador. Then we've got, I believe, a red clay event event over in Rome. Let's start in Ecuador where thus far number two, seven, and eight seeds already knocked out. Kevin King with a three-set win over Alejandro Tabilo, three, six, six, four, six, one. Siuchi uh, Segukuchi uh, over six, one, seven, six over Hiroki Moria. Again, I, I totally booked that. Sekiguchi, excuse me, uh, with that win over Maria. And then Camilo Ugo Carabili. Uh, a 7-6 in the third win over number 8 seed Roberto Quiroz. You also had Nicolas Jerry, 1-1 one one win in the battle of the Nicolases. He knocks off Nicolas Alvarez. I feel like that's a match Alvarez won a few months ago. So, again, shows the former top 70 guy in Jerry regaining his form. Uh, Menendez Macieras, a win. Yelcelis, a win. And then Tiago Tarante, a win over Vladislav Orlov, who has been very, very good on the ITF circuit over these past 52 weeks. That's the main draw action we've seen unfold thus far in terms of your dangerous matches. A lot of former college tennisers up and down the draw. You've got a battle of ACC, uh, former ACC players, Skander Mansouri, Wake Forest taking on Florida State's Aziz Dugas. That's a first round match. Of course, Tim Van Ruchevin didn't play college tennis, but the big serving man from the Netherlands taking on number one seed Yutsutako Uchiyama. That's an upset alert sort of match. You've got TCU's Nick Chapel taking on Roberto Otago Almeida. Virginia's JC Aragoni taking on El Tug Celic Bellic. USC's Emilio Gomez taking on Herman Casanova. I believe Flores Diego Hidalgo taking on Nicolas Maya. 
Uh, who else do we have up and down the draw? Any other Eubanks? Georgia Tech form a win for him over DeJong. I mentioned Alvarez. He went to Duke. Uh, Kevin King went to Georgia Tech as well. So just up and down the draw here. A lot of fun college tennis ties. You've got number five seed Marcelo Thomas Barria Vera still looking to kick off his campaign. You've got number three seed Emilio Gomez, uh, number six seed Artu Chilik and then Uchiyama, the number one seed. They've yet to start their campaigns. But again, should be a fun week of action in Ecuador and your matches tomorrow. Tomorrow, your number one seed Uchiyama, three seed Gomez, uh, and six seed Chilik Belik, all be- and five seed by the way Thomas Barrios Vera, all beginning their campaigns in Ecuador. In terms of the action we have in Rome, we've only had one main draw event thus far. I believe Ro- uh, Rain washed everything out in Rome, but Hugo Gaston, your number five seed, a three and four win over Ernesto Escobedo. You look. Up and down the draw, your top seed, number one seed, Gregoire Barrera, number two seed, Hugo Delian, your number three seed here this week, Paolo Lorenzi, your fourth seed, Sebastian Ofner, your other seeds, Gaston, uh, uh, Lorenzo Giustino, Steven Diaz, and Juan Pablo Varias. You've also got Borna Gojo, former Wake Forest standout in the draw. Juan Pablo Varias, by the way, has had a ton of success at the 250 level of weight late. Clemson's Yannick Maiden in the draw. Tanasi Kokonakis, who's made a couple of quarterfinals at the Challengers. He's played on clay. He's in the draw. Matthias Borg was a finalist last week. Uh, of course, uh, guys like for, uh, guys like Ruben Bemelmans, I believe, has already won a title this year. Uh, Alex Vukic, former Illinois standout, was a quarterfinalist last week. So up and down the draw, you've got some very fun players. Elias Emer, I believe, was a semifinalist last week. So Rome should be enjoyable. And again, tomorrow... You've got your number one seed, number two seed, number three seed, number seven seed, number eight seed, number four seed, number six seeds, all seven seeds as well. It's just up and down the board. You've got a lot of seeds kicking off their campaigns. They've got a lot of play to make up for, so the day should be jam-packed in Rome. And then in Tallahassee, of course, we have our first green, uh, green clay American hardcore challenger of the year. You look thus far, excuse me. Two of the top eight seeds already knocked off young Juan Manuel Serendolo, 250 title earlier this season on the ATP red clay here on the green clay. He got under underhand served. Uh, he, you know, his he got drop shotted to death. Braden Schnur took advantage of his court positioning. He unsept, upsets by C the young Argentinian six four in the third. Heck of a performance, discipline from Schnur. He got creative. He got aggressive. It was very fun to see. Number one seed Tiago Sabath Vild, good win for him in straights over Thomas Martin Echeverry. You had a win for Sakamoto over number three seed Pranesh Gunaswaran six four in the third. Although, again, given that match was on clay, I don't know how much of an upset that was. The 23-year-old Brazilian Sakamoto been so good of late. Big win for both Michael Moe and Mikhail Torpegard. Torp much-needed 6-5 and five win over Bellucci. Moe 5-6 and six over Polanski. Fasundo Mina, a 3-1 and one win over American Wildcard. Toby Kodat as well. That's your main draw action thus far. You look up and down the draw. Orlando champion Jensen Brooksby has a very fun first-round match against fellow talented young American Martin Dam. One of the low-key best rivalries of the past 10 years in American men's tennis. Ryan Harrison takes taking on Donald Young. That's a match we'll see tomorrow in terms of your other first-rounders beginning tomorrow. 
Karlovich for Tangelo, certainly interesting. Kwiatkowski, Kruger, Sock, Jung, Rybakov, Kudla, uh, Roberto Sidjo, Menenez. Uh, all of these matches up and down the board. It should be a fun week of action in Tallahassee. I'm fascinated to see Brooksby compete on the clay. I'm fascinated to see Tiago Sabath build. Can he find the form he had pre-COVID, pre-2020, uh, you know, before the pandemic took everything away? Michael Mo always dangerous because of the physicality he can impose on these green clay courts. And then Bjorn Fertangel just moves the ball around the court so beautifully. Beautifully handles uh, the speed of these courts so well. If I had to guess right now, I'm going to guess for Tangelo. If he can beat Karlovich tomorrow, he's going to come out of that bottom half of the draw on the top half of the draw. Give me either Brooksby or Mo to emerge to the final. Give me a Mo Brooksby or Fratangelo fi- versus Fratangelo final in Tallahassee. And again, Mike Zeke. Tennis, Mike on the call. So, should be a fantastic week of action at the Challenger level. And again, to hear more about this week's ATP Challenger level matches, events, and last week's action, be sure to tune in to the Great Shot Podcast episode. Our new Crack Rackets contributor, Davian Cust, put together. You can hear more about Jensen Brooksby, Casper Zouk, Roberto Carbeas Benya, all of last week's success, all of this week's stories, and more. Of course, if you have missed any of the action from the past few weeks in the professional tennis world. You can catch up on everything on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need those more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Again, coming up later this week, more Challenger Tennis Talk, more College Tennis Talk on our Great Shot podcast feed. We'll continue to cover all of the action day in, day out here on the mini break and be on the lookout for some brand new Cracked Interviews podcasts. Like, rate, subscribe, review. Share all of those shows with your friends. But with that in mind, for our incredible super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.